Acts chapter number 4, and to stand in honor and reverence of the Word of God when you find your place. Acts chapter number 4, for the reading of God's Word. And we're going to read beginning in verse number 1. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together in Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power? Or by what name have ye done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole? Be it known unto all you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Look at verse 12, and we'll be done reading our scripture for today. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. Let us pray. Lord, we love you. We pray that you would help us this day as we consider these thoughts. We look at this testimony. Lord, I pray that we would be encouraged by your word. I pray that we would find ourselves uh, strengthened. And Lord, I pray that this word would move inside of us, that it would be food for us, spiritually speaking, throughout this upcoming week. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for being our God. We thank you for our church family, our visitors that have gathered together here with us today. We pray for your direction for our church and, Lord, each and every one of us individually in our Christian walk. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. I want to preach just a few thoughts this morning to you on the subject of victory over persecution. And, uh, you know, we find persecution to be the great fear, I guess you would say, of a Christian because it is uh, obviously not something we would like to go through uh, or experience. And to us, in in our American uh, way of doing things, persecution means uh, somebody that, you know, persecution's passing by a church of a different denomination. Uh, Man, you know, I mean, we're we're blessed in in our nation where we have not faced persecution in our country. And, uh, and, and so we were blessed to, in this day, realize that even though it could be right around the corner, and I believe it is, I believe that unfortunately 
uh, we will see some of those things. Some, some sitting in here uh, will see some of those things come to pass before we, before we die. And uh, it's, an, uh, it's an unfortunate thing because it, it means that people are harming other people. It means people are hating other people. Um, but persecution is just a, it's just a, a matter of the fact. It, it's, it's going to exist. And we have never seen it like what the New Testament church faced. There are people in our world right now that are facing things for the cause of Christ that we can't even imagine. They've went through things and they've experienced things. People living today, not somebody in a history book, but people living right now that are experiencing things and have experienced things that we would never imagine. I was thinking, now I'm going to say this, a disclaimer, it's just Super Bowl Sunday, so I'm not going to... I just, I'm just going to tell you, I ain't got nothing against the Super Bowl, except I don't like the teams playing. Uh, I don't have, I'm not, not telling you not to watch the Super Bowl. But I wonder, Christian people in America, Christian people, they say, who would deny Christ? We'll give you a free ticket to the Super Bowl. Uh, uh, Dwayne, you said $8,000 was, was the lowest average ticket price. There'd be a lot of people deny Christ to go see Taylor Swift, amen, at the Super Bowl. Not even a concert. I mean, I'm not being mean, but that, that, that's what people's Christian faith mean to them. So the, the, the truth is, is that persecution, real persecution, genuine persecution, it is, it, it's a tough taskmaster, I guarantee you. I've never faced it. I've never faced it. I've had people tell me that I was closed-minded because I'm an I'm a old-fashioned Baptist. Well, praise the Lord. I'm closed-minded off from the world. Thank the Lord. I've had people tell me I was crazy because I believe certain Hey, thank the Lord. That might make me crazy, but I'm on Jesus' side. Amen. I remember when I was a teenager working at Ingalls, carrying people's groceries out. And, uh, and, and this, this woman, she was uh, then, this point in time, uh, late 50s, early 60s, and, and, you know, 16, 17-year-old boys carrying their groceries out, and she says, uh, you know, I, I just, I hope that you can go enjoy life and just go experience things. And, and I hope you can go do this, this, and this. And I said, well, I, I can't do that. She said, why not? I said, because my Savior, Jesus Christ, the, the love that he has for me compels me not to live that way. She said, I wish you wouldn't be so closed-minded. You, you need to experience things. You need to live life. I'm telling you what, I, I tried living life and experiencing things for a little while, and it let me down. And that's the idea and the attitude in, 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 the, in America is, oh, well, I'll get it later. I, it'll happen later. It'll, I'll fix it later. But real persecution exists. Real persecution has existed. I mean, it's existed all the way back throughout history. There's, there's, there's always been a, a persecution against God's people. But what I'm here to tell you this morning is no matter what happens tomorrow, no matter what may happen today, no matter what may happen in a year, come what may, God will get his victory over persecution. It's just a, it's just a fact of the matter. He will get his victory over persecution. And I'll tell you why. is because we see here in the book of Acts, <clears throat> these men are thrown, are arrested, and they're, they're held because of a miracle that, that God allowed them to, to do in act. So, you ever been to prison for Jesus? You ever been arrested for Jesus? I can't say that I have. I only know a few people that have. I, I know some street preachers that have. 
That's the only people I know that's ever been arrested for Jesus. And then if you talk to them, and I'm not saying this is every case, but the one that I know, they're like, yeah, I realized a little later I was a little bit too much. I used to, I had one guy, he said, I, I used to think I, I'd been persecuted for the cause of Christ, but then I realized I was just arrogant and, and stepping on people's toes. I should have kept my mouth shut and had a better spirit. So not every case is the same, but really, would you all agree that in the United States of America, we don't really know persecution? Amen? I hope we can say amen. We don't. But these men, they did experience it. These very men were, were, were killed. Many, I mean, all but I believe one of the disciples were killed for the cause of Christ. Now ask yourself, and I ask you to ask yourself because I've been asking myself this week, if I was to face the fire, for Jesus, what would my spirit, spirit and attitude be? Well, I'm going to tell you, I can't help being a red-blooded American and thinking, well, as long as i got a pistol, I'll handle persecution. Amen? I mean, I'll fight my way. You won't do nothing God don't allow you to do. You won't do a thing God doesn't allow. I was blessed. I feel a message coming on out of this. I, I was blessed. I got to go forward to an axe this week. I've never felt like more of a man in my life. I was like, I need to go kill something, cook it over a fire, burn somebody's village down, take over something, build a castle. I mean, I just, it was amazing. And you see how, how neat it is to heat something up so hot and to have to work the metal and you shape it out, which there's a message coming in that because that's how he's working on me. But what's amazing is that you forge, this, you forge this tool or you forge this, this battle axe in my case because I just, I don't know why, but I'll, I'll just made a weapon. You forge this thing and then when you get, when you get it hot, you've got to make sure that it's ready to be quenched. And the, the, hard, the, the most important part of the whole process is that you have that metal at the, or that iron at the right temperature and then you quench it in oil so that it tempers it and so that it strengthens it. And the, the guy that was telling us, he said, if you don't have the right temperature, you'll break it. You can break it. If you don't, you don't do it at the right temperature, it'll be weak. You see, it may take persecution for Jesus' uh, message to spread or, or to reach one person. But the reality is, if that's what it takes, that's what it's going to take. And, and what, what it is is that, that this, this, this tried and true that this, this gospel message that has been worked on and worked on and shared and shared and shared, somebody's going to have to quench it. Somebody's going to have to strengthen it. Somebody's going to have to solidify it. And that may be me and it may be you. And, I, hey, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't want to be that person. Some preacher's like, you come on, burn me at the stake. That's crazy. I don't want to be burned at the stake. I mean, that guy must have a miserable home life to stand up before the church and say, Oh, anyway, people think his wife beats him all the time. He's up there, just come on, get me. I don't feel that way. But this is why this has been working in my heart so much this week is because if I was faced with true persecution, how would I respond? And then I read through, I've been, I'm reading through Acts, and I got to Acts 4. And I come to this story, and I realized the key to the question that you all have, maybe you have, I think you do if you know Jesus, the key that, 
to the question that you have is seeing how God gets his glory through persecution. Because all I worry about is what happens to me. What's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my family? What's going to, you know, what, 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 what's the effect on me? But when you begin to look at Scripture, you see how God uses these things. And in the fire, he, he strengthens us. In the fire, he shapes us. In the fire, he makes us what we need to be. And there is a point where we will be quenched. And that may be dying of an old age. That may be, that may be being persecuted and killed for the cause of Christ. But what does God get out of it? What's the benefit for God, which is, this whole thing is about? So it makes me feel like an ant in an ant farm. That's not how it is. But God will use even these terrible situations of persecution to change the world. So let's look for just a few moments at what, what God's victory over persecution is. Verse 1, we'll look back there. And as they spake unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So what, what these people are upset about is that they're preaching the resurrection and the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, they're in the city where Jesus had been uh, had, had victoriously returned. They're, they're in the city where Jesus had been drug out of and been crucified. And, and then just a few days later, the story of his, his resurrection had, had spread across this town. They're in that same place. If you want to talk about the epicenter of Christianity, especially during this time, it's Jerusalem. In this century, 100%. There are strong, strong feelings in Jerusalem during this time. For and against. There's some people, man, I saw Jesus. after I, I, I heard the screams from, from Golgotha's hill, but I saw him walking. I, I can tell you that he's living. Uh, there, you realize there are people that lived that saw Jesus after he died. There was a lot of people that lived and saw Jesus after he died. That's something we can shout about. And there are some people that maybe they heard the cries and they heard the screams and they heard the noises from Golgotha's hill, but they walk around and they say, hey, don't worry, I saw Jesus in the flesh. He called my name. But there are some people that said, I was among the crowd that said, crucify him. And although Barabbas stole my TV when we let him out, I'm glad we crucified Jesus. There are some people, they were okay to let a thief out and kill the Lamb of God. There's some people that they were still living and even though they had sto heard stories of Jesus' resurrection, even though they had heard that he was walking around uh, just days after he had died, they still didn't believe. So the first part to understanding what God gets out of persecution, what the, the God's benefit of, or, or his method more so, his method through persecution, is understanding the people involved in persecution. You've got people that will believe, and they have been changed at some point in time, and then something bad happens, and somebody's persecuted, and, and, and they're, they're celebrating, and they're saying God's getting his glory, and, and, and even though this is difficult and things happen, what come, may come to me, God is getting his glory. But then on the other side, you will have people that they have heard the stories from countless people that Jesus arose and got up out of the grave, but they still don't believe. 
That's why persecution exists. Is because the story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ has been confirmed down through the generation by millions and millions of people. Yet they, in their reprobate mind, they, in their heart, hardness of their heart, yet they, blinded by the God of this world, will not believe on Jesus. But it's not because there's something inside of them. There's something inside of them. Tell them it's real. But they, because of their blindness, will not believe on Jesus. They just won't. They're not going to until they, res they, they stop resisting that knock and that call on their heart of the Holy Spirit. So first, Christians may be persecuted for undeniable works. You see, this story is talking about a man uh, that, was, that was above 40 years old. And he was an impotent man. He was a... Uh, he, 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 had a, he had a huge need. He had, he had something that you could see or something that everyone knew about that was an issue, and he had lived with it his whole life. He had gotten to, is 40 still middle age? Somebody tell me. I'm getting closer, so it's young. All right, but 40 40, right? 40 40. He had lived 40 years with this issue, and everybody knew about it. Everybody knew that he had an issue. And through the power of the Spirit of God, these men were, a, were able, with the working, through the working of God, to heal this man. That's undeniable, amen? That's undeniable. Brother Danny, you had an issue not long ago. You had an undeniable miracle take place, amen? It was only God that could do that. It was undeniable. They said you would die from that. They said that it was going to take your life. They said that all these things they told you, it's undeniable what God did. They ain't nobody can deny it. If they do, they just ain't listening, they ain't watching, they ain't been around, amen? There's an undeniable aspect to this. You see, first thing about, about persecution is the events that take place, that God, the things God do, they're un, the things God does are undeniable. I'm going to get my grammar fixed here pretty soon. Thank Things God do, Brother Sam. Y'all country people, you understand. He do. The things that God does are undeniable. Say, well, I've never seen those things. You might need to meet Jesus. He'll, he'll do an undeniable thing for you. The first way that God works in persecution is he does an undeniable thing. And he has undeniable things that take place in front of the multitudes of sinners. And so persecution first, it will take place due to the blindness of sinners. As we said, there's a group of people, sorry this side of the church, but there's a group of people that they just don't believe. Now there's undeniable things that have taken place. Their old mama saw Jesus walking around after he died, but they still won't believe because of the hardness of their hearts. And then you've got a side that does believe. That's why persecution exists is because of the hardness of hearts of sinners who will not believe that Jesus got up and he walked out of the grave. Persecution, it will put a believer in a difficult circumstance. Verse 5, it says, well, let me, let me, let's read verse 4, or verse 3. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now even tied. Like I said, we ain't never been arrested for Jesus, right? They've been, they've been held against their will arrested because they were preaching the gospel of Jesus and because of the miracles that they were, they were, they were doing in the name of Jesus. In verse 4, Howbeit 
Many of them which heard the word believed. Watch this. And the number of the men was about 5,000. See, it's amazing persecution still exists because God does undeniable things and he puts a huge crowd in front of it. This was a free event too. They didn't take tickets. You didn't have to pay, pay your way in to see this take place. This is just the power of God moving on someone, healing, healing a man that was impotent, healing a man that, that had a need, preaching and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. They weren't benefiting from this other than the fact that they were spreading the gospel. There was no physical benefit from it. It was just a huge crowd of 5,000 people that witnessed something that was undeniable. We're going somewhere, I promise. Look at verse 5 with me. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes, and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. So these men, they're taken and they're put before this council to answer. You'll see in just, just a moment, they're, they're here, here to answer how and why they did what they did. How were you able to do that? And, and I'd say they knew. You don't grow up in Jerusalem and not know about Jesus. Amen. Either they're cussing him. If you're, I'm going to switch sides. Y'all are the good side now. And y'all, y'all, are, y'all are y'all. One side of, of, of the, 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 the wicked people, they, they would curse the name of Jesus at supper. I'm glad he died. I'm glad these things happened. I'm glad he was crucified. He deserved this. He, he, he's a blasphemer. But then the other side tenderly would say, man, Jesus, I'm glad he ain't dead. I don't know if they said ain't in Hebrew, but they, found, they, they said something. I'm glad, he, I'm glad he's alive. I'm glad he's Jesus. I'm glad he's all-powerful. I'm glad that one day I heard the story of Jesus. I'm glad that my little grandmother remembered the day when she saw Jesus. She, she was just a little girl, but she can't deny that she saw Jesus. And he, he knew her name, and he spoke her name. You see, there's a, there's a huge difference, right? There's a group of people that don't believe, and there's a group of people that do believe. And so it puts the believers in a difficult circumstance because the people that don't believe want to know what's going on. But like I said, they knew. They knew, they knew who Jesus was. They had, I would say they had heard the story already three or four. I believe Baptist is the closest denomination to the Bible. Amen? You sound like a bunch of Baptists. <laughs> I know they're Baptists because I would guarantee you that Annas and Caiaphas knew exactly what had been going on the past few days. They knew everything. Somebody come knocking on the door and said, now don't tell anybody. Now, listen, i just got to get this burden off my chest. I've got to tell you about what's going on. There's somebody uh, healing people. There's somebody preaching Jesus. Now, this didn't come from me. See, you Baptist, you know, it's all, everybody's convicted. Some, they knew what was going on. But what they do here is, in verse 6, or verse 7, and when they had set them in the midst, so they had been arrested, they're thrown in the midst of this council, when they had been set in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? So what we see is that your, the persecution, it may put you in a difficult circumstance. It certainly put these men in a difficult circumstance. 
But persecution, it makes a great platform to preach from. Now, I, I, I mentioned this. You, you, you have, maybe have had this thought. What happens if I'm persecuted? Maybe you've worried about being persecuted. Maybe you've worried about what, what may happen. Maybe you've worried about what may come to you and your family. And I understand. It's a scary thought if you let it control your mind. If you don't rein it in, it will control your mind because it's, it's, it's a concerning thing. To just be killed for what you believe, to be uh, locked in jail for what you preach, for, for be locked in jail for, for what you own, the books you own, the Bible that you read. That's a, that's a scary thought. But what God works through persecution is what we're talking about this morning. And I hope it can be a relief to your anxiety of how God will work the greater good, his greater good, through even persecution. Because it would be easy to be faced. Like I said, I, I say it jokingly, but I am as serious as a heart attack when I say that there are people that would deny Christ to get into a football game. Well, there are people that will deny Christ. Hey, Judas Iscariot denied Christ for some, for some silver. Amen? The price is pretty small in the grand scheme of things for many people. But if you know Jesus, you may try. Peter tried. But in the end of things, you're a child of God. And there's some undeniable things he's done in your life that you can't deny. And if it comes down to it, we may be asked to, we may be asked to deny Christ. But what did these men do? Now, they, this was a day where... Public executions was about as normal as the mailman coming by. So they knew what could happen. But their persecution turned into a platform to preach the gospel. They were in the best place possible by their, because of their persecution. Them being arrested and put in front of that council was the best place they could be. You say, well, that's easy to say. We know the whole story. I understand. It's easy when we're looking at it like this to think, oh, man, this is a perfect place. I brought my tie with me. I'll preach to you. It's easy to think that way when we have this story. It's a different things. Somebody busts in these doors and drag us out of here. But what it is is God did some undeniable things in front of a whole lot of people, and he gave these men the platform to preach the gospel. Look at that. Look at this. Verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost. You see, I like how it says that. It says filled with the Holy Ghost. I like to know that when I'm in the trenches serving my Jesus, that his Holy Ghost is right there with me. So if something does come up in our lives, if something does happen to us, I know that the Holy Spirit will be with me. And guess what? He'll be with you too. And he can be everywhere. And he can be with everybody. Come what may, he will be with us. Persecution makes a great platform to preach from. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, that man I told you over 40 years old that had been had this issue his whole life, by what means is he what means he is made whole? Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. 
That's good preaching right there. He said, they say, how did this happen? And he goes into it. This another reason I know that they were Baptist is because if you get a chance to preach, you go preach. He says, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel by, by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified. See, he points out Jesus, and he says, whom ye crucified. He points out their sin. That's the reason that they're persecuting them to begin with, is he points out their sin. Whom ye crucified. Whom God raised from the dead. Even by him doth this man stand before you whole. It was Jesus that did it all. What a wonderful platform to preach on. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Look at verse 12. This is the, the inspiration behind this whole message when I read this verse. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And if you don't believe on that name, you crucified him. I mean, you're held accountable for his death. You're held accountable for your sins. What a wonderful platform to preach the gospel. And he tells this man, these men, and it all started because God did an unbelievable thing. He did an undeniable thing. Verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, I think that's funny. That's how the world looks at Christian people. That woman standing there, there, there at Ingalls all them years ago saying, I need to just go live my life and do whatever you want, live whichever way you want. She thought I was a fool. I'm not saying I was persecuted in an Ingalls parking lot in Weaverville 10, 15 years ago. I'm just saying she thought I was a fool. That's the attitude of the world. Well, I know. I have the answers. I have the way. I know the way. They think we're crazy. They perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. And guess what? You may be unlearned and ignorant, but God can use that. Often, the unlearned and ignorant people are the most humble people, and God has an easier time using you anyway. Me being that one. Just reminding myself. They marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest. Look at this verse. To, to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. So we see God did an undeniable thing. We see that, that, that God put in place people witnessed this unbelievable thing. And perse persecutors, they're still going to attack. Like I said, we've got a side of people that they just do not believe. They're, they're not going to believe. They're not going to change their mind. That's why there's persecution. They're not going to change. They're, they're not going to see it a different way. These men could not deny what happened because the law of, witness, of witnesses has always existed. Now, you've ever heard a story. Brother Sam was telling a, uh, told a wonderful story this morning 
about a, a preacher that skipped church on Sunday and hit a hole in one on the golf course. And he couldn't tell anybody because nobody saw it. But you ever hear a story from somebody, and they might have a witness or two, but you still don't believe it? Anybody in here in law enforcement ever heard a story from somebody, and you think, but cleaves you up? And all that, them truck drivers, they'll, get, they'll do it, won't you? Somebody tell a story, and their buddy's right beside them. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I saw it. I was there with them. You get these fishing buddies together. I heard it, I heard it, yeah, Danny. You get somebody, I saw that, I, it was so big, we, could, we had to throw it back in the water. We was, we was afraid to because that fish should eat somebody, but we couldn't, we couldn't haul it home. We didn't have room for it, but I saw it. But guess what? That buddy is lying to somebody else for, for the one line to you. Preachers do the same thing. Oh, yeah, we had 2,000 people at service. Preacher beside him, oh, yeah. Man, it was packed out. I mean, I've seen that stuff. You're like, you're lying. You get 5,000 people standing there saying, I saw it. That's hard to deny, man. See, God does unbelievable things, and he puts an undeniable amount of people around it. He puts enough witnesses around it that they ain't nobody can deny it. And these wicked men, they still persecuted him, but then they said, what are we going to do because we can't deny this? These sounds like politicians, amen. We know it happened. We know it happened. But for our benefit, for our benefit, how are we going to shape this? How are we going to fix this? Man, the world's about the same today as it ever has been, amen? Same junk, different day. Look at this, verse 13. Godly boldness first will make an impression on people. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they saw that boldness. Why? Because he was filled with the Holy Ghost of God. They saw that. That makes an impression on people. You see, the God that does undeniable things, the God that, that, that brings unbelievable amounts of people around things will not leave you to hang when you're standing before somebody testifying for him. He's not just going to throw you out there to the wolves. Now, you may be out there with the wolves, but he's not going to leave you. Daniel was in a lion's den, right? But God didn't leave him. God was right there with him. So I think that's what we worry is the unknown. You get pulled into a situation like this. I'm just all there alone. God was with them. And that boldness made an impression. Godly witnesses are a mouthpiece for the gospel in verse 14. And beholding the man which they healed, which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. You see, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and you're filled with the boldness of God, godly boldness, the world backs down from that. You say, well, I've seen the videos, or I know they've, they've beheaded this person. They let, hey, there's somebody witnessing this situation that will change their life. That may be the method and the way that somebody is being reached by God. It's not about me to figure all the other details. This is easy to preach. Y'all realize it's easy to preach right now. It's, this is a harder thing to live with this attitude. But God will get his glory from it. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. You say, well, that person got beheaded. What are we living for? We're living for this world or the other side. I don't want to see something happen to, to my family. I don't want to be beheaded. But I'm not living for this side anyway. Young people especially. In verse 13, they see boldness for Christ. 
And they perceived that they were ignorant and unlearned. That's going to happen to you. My wife went to UNCA. If you know anything about UNCA, it's, it's rough. This has been a long time ago, too. Like, it's different. It's different now than it was then. It was still, it was, it was bad then. But she can tell you the stories of how class after class, she'd be the only one in a class that would disagree with a teacher on something. Even knowing there were Christians in that class that wouldn't speak up. That's a hard situation to be in when you feel like you're the only one. And guess what? Young people especially. There are people that are going to tell you you're ignorant. There are going to people that, that are going to think you're ignorant because you believe what you believe. But I'm going to promise you that you'll be all right with Jesus. And what they think, it don't matter anyway. You see, we, we spend all this time growing up. I see the most popular kids from school. And I'm like, whoa. Anybody ever had that? I wasn't the most popular kid, so. First time it happened, I felt good. I was like, look at them. I see them now on drugs and wrecked marriages and relationships. Friend I know in prison right now. Some that have died. I'm like, man, we work so hard for people to perceive, perceive us a certain way, and it doesn't take long for it all to fall to shambles. So it don't matter what people think. It don't matter what people perceive. If you're on his side, you're all right. Verse 15. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, what shall we do? To these men, for that indeed a notable miracle has, hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Godly things, it's going to make wicked people angry. You see, these men, they can't deny it. But in verse 17, but, but that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in his name. You see, your boldness, it, it may stop someone in their tracks, but also it may provoke them to anger. This is where the rubber meets the road. These people that had saw an undeniable miracle, they have thousands of people standing around them that saw the same thing, were soon to be threatened with, they weren't afraid of the blade, and cut your hands off, cut your head off, hang you up on a tree, whatever. Threaten them with who knows what if they shared what they had saw with their own eyes. And I guarantee there were a number of those people that said, okay, I'll never speak of it again. You see, even people that have witnessed those things, they're not, the price for them is too high to pay on this earth. Verse 18 says, And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor to teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. Now, Christian, this is what I want to challenge you with this morning, and I'll be done in just a moment. God's always going to get his glory. But he desires us to be the mouthpiece and the method 
of him getting his glory. He wants us to be that mouthpiece for him. That is our obedience to him. Is that, Lord, I love you. And, and, and to be obedient to you, Lord, I'm going to tell everyone on the earth how good God is for me. The world will seek to suppress the truth. But God will always have a voice. And there will always be one. And it may just be one that will stand up and say. But I like, I like a lot what Peter and John say, say here. Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God judge ye. He says, who do I serve? Am I better off serving you or serving my God? That, that's how you, that's the bow on wrapping up this whole thought here. God will do amazing things. And how encouraging is life when God does amazing miracles? It's so encouraging. It's like, it's so refreshing. It's so, such a, I told you about that car that broke down. I got it back on Friday. And I was driving down the road on Friday. And I was praying, Lord, thank you so much. You, and, it, and guess what? It cost a lot less than I thought. Well, guess what? I had to have it towed off yesterday. It broke down again. What a blessing. Thank you, Lord. God does amazing things, and it's easy to praise him for those things, right? But guess what? We get back in the same spot. The same thing happens again. We go through another hard time. It tests how much we're going to praise him. But at the end of the day, who do we serve? So I ask you. Do I hearken to your voice or to my God's voice? Those that would persecute me. Do I, do I follow their voice or do I, do I serve my God and my master? Only you can, you know, can, can ask yourself that question and know. He says here in verse 20, he says, For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. They settled in themselves. There's no deniability of what I know God did. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. That's why we have to band together, church. What changed this situation from turning into a killing was this great group of people that said, I saw it. I know what, what God does. I know what Jesus did, and I will stand. It's lonely to stand alone. you got God on your side. You're all right. But it's lonely when you got brothers and sisters in Christ unified together saying, yeah, I can tell you. I can tell you. I can tell you. I've seen it. I've felt it. I know it. Those, those witnesses, they drown out the scoffing of fools. These men were foolish men that were coming against him and attacking him. But the voices of the people telling the testimony of what God had done drowned it out their ability to do anything against Peter and John. Look at verse 22 and we'll be done. For the man was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was showed. It goes back to what God did. And what God did was something that's undeniable. It, it, it creates persecution 
Because people hate the fact that things may change for them. People hate the fact that God did amazing things for somebody. And that may bring us to persecution. It very well may do it. But God got his glory throughout all of it. He healed a man. God got his glory. Peter and John preached to that council. God got his glory. These men would have probably wanted to kill him. But by the testimony of all those that witnessed the amazing things God had done, God got his glory. So when you worry about persecution or there's anxiety about something you see on TV, you say, I saw this on the news. Anytime I hear people say that, I had to learn this the hard way. You can do something. You don't even have to get up anymore to do it. You can turn the TV off. You don't have to get up and go, I... Anybody used to be the remote? I was the remote for my grandparents. You had to get up and turn the TV off. You don't even have to do that anymore. Your phone, you can cut it off. I saw this on the news. Hey, I'm telling you what, there's so much junk coming into our minds, getting us away from Jesus because of Fox News and CNN. You say, well, I like Fox News. Well, guess what? They either do the same junk as CNN, they're just on the other side. All this junk just creates anxiety. What's going to happen is going to happen. I can't change it. People on TV can't change it. Joe Biden for sure can't change it. We put Donald Trump back in. He can't change it. It takes God. Nothing I can do. It's him. It's not me. The fact is, a lot of the anxiety is caused by the junk we feed ourselves. We feed ourselves this word. I'm telling you what, you can live a peaceful life. Not that I do every day. But I'm telling you what, when I'm feeding myself with this word, I'm doing all right. The anxiety, you can control that. The other thing, like I said, things are, what's going to happen is going to happen. God knows this very moment where you will draw your last breath. I don't determine it. People talk about changing your destiny. Hey, I have, free, I have a free will agency on this earth. I can do things according to a free will. I, th I thank the Lord I can. Otherwise, we'd be that ant farm I was talking about. I can do things of a free will, but God knows what I'm going to do. And God knows the day that I die. And that may be in an old folks' home one day. That may be persecution and death by the blade. I don't know. But God knows. And guess what? He'll get his glory, whatever it is. He will get his glory.